This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Good evening. We all right? We're good? Yes. Thank you, Claire, from the back. I like it. Uh, if you're new to Austin Life, um, I, I highly appreciate and enjoy interaction. Um, uh, not, not everybody does. That actually helps me. I enjoy it. And so don't, don't hesitate if you want to say something. That's so great. If you got a, an amen, which just means like, yes, I agree with that. Um, that's all right, too. Um, I, I, I greatly appreciate it. We're working towards being a more interactive people. We'll get there. It's going to be great. It's going to be good. Um, I don't know where that came from. Over here somewhere. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. Um, I love that book. I love that it, it got it, it accurate. At first, I was like, oh, no, they got the, they got the three wise men wrong. Um, did, did you know that the wise men weren't there when he was a baby? They got it right. Um, it was like two years later. Uh, and so, so many of our nativity scenes, like we have to go back and undo and like pull out the wise men because they weren't actually there. Um, but that's fine. This book got it right. And I was nervous. And Stephanie's like, no, no, they got it. It's like, oh, phew, good. Um, so let's play a little uh, finish that lyric. Is that the, was, that a, was that a game show at one point? Was it? Sure. Thank you, Mike. You're the, it's just me and you. I'll go with what you have to say here. Yeah, finish that lyric, okay? So I'm going to need some participation because I'm not the only one that's going to be singing here, okay? All right. It'll be a gimme. It'll be a gimme. Okay. <clears throat> it's the most wonderful time. Uh, yeah, there we go. I don't know what all the words come now. Okay, we're going to go to the next one, right? All those little, like, there'll be something and something and something, right? Okay. It's the happy. Happy is, come on, gusto, let's go. Of all, yes. Um, I was, Molly was singing this in the car the other day. Um, and and I, think, I think for most people, we would genuine, generally agree that Christmas is one of the happiest, if not the, the happiest season of all, right? Like there's, there's songs that have this in it, right? It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's, it's one where every Christmas movie and every like Christmas song and show ends with a happy ending and the miracle happens 10 out of 10 times, right? So everything around this season is one of the most wonderful and happiest times of all. And, and I think we'd probably agree. Um, what are some of the things, and, and you, this interaction, that, that you think of that make it, one of the happiest times of all. What makes it a wonderful season for you? Christmas. What about Christmas, Matthew? What do you like about it? Jesus' birthday. God, come on with it, man. There we go. All right, I heard something else. Family? Family? Someone's, someone said food. I'm like, yeah, there we go. What'd you got? Presents? There you go. Oh, you said food, Claire? Okay. Generosity? Santa Claus, there we go. The elves, the elves all right. Snow, snow. snow, up north. Now here we're just like t-shirts and shorts, man. T-shirts and shorts. Yeah, it is. It's a joyful time. And I think overall, by and large, uh, we, we agree with that. Um, at the same time, Christmas can be difficult. It can be a time of, of grieving and, and, and hardship. It can be a time of stress and exhaustion and running around and trying to, to meet all of the, the, the deadlines or the to-do list or the parties or being there or that. Christmas can also be tough when the things that we said make it wonderful are, are no longer there, right? When, when the family's not there, right? When the, when the budget doesn't allow for the presents or we can't get to the parties or we have to, to quarantine, right? When we look at it and we go, Christmas is not what it was last year. Like it used to be this, but now it's 
Now it's this, right? Christmas, it can go, it can go both ways. What I want to propose tonight from, from the scripture is that Christmas can be, should be, it, it, it is, regardless of whether we acknowledge it or not or grasp it or not, Christmas is a time of exceedingly great joy. Because Christmas is not tied to family or friends or presents or holiday parties or, or, or food. Christmas is tied to the fact that God himself came and lived among us as one of us to save us from our sins and to give us new life with God forever. The joy of Christmas is not tied to all of these horizontal, earthly circumstances. I mean, think about that first Christmas, right? Like, there was nothing about, like, passing presents around or, or traditions or, like, hey, let's get everybody together and have a meal. It was having a baby in a barn, right? Like, there was, there was nothing extravagant about that first Christmas. And so it's fine that we have all of these things that make it what it is. Like, that's okay, but, but if that's what we're hanging our joy on, we're going to find ourselves disappointed when those things don't carry the weight of our joy or when they inevitably fall apart. But Christmas can be, it should be, it is a time of exceedingly great joy because Jesus supersedes all of those things. He's, he's greater than all of those things. The invitation for joy is for us today. So we want to look in Luke chapter 2, and we read it earlier, but I just want to look at this Christmas story again together. In verse, verse 1, we see kind of the, the traditional narrative that we've all heard probably many, many, many times. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. That's a run-on sentence, y'all. That one got me. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. This is the first Christmas. This is where we see Christmas begin. Oftentimes wonder, like, when did Christmas be become what it is today? All right, but we see here that first Christmas. And what's the significance of it? Like, what's the significance of this Christmas? It's, it's not, as we said, it's not much of what we have tradition for today. So what is the significance of this Christmas? Let's keep going into verse eight. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the, of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Let's stop there for a second. It, it's hard for us to imagine, like I, Unless you've encountered an, an angel like, like this, and, and maybe you have, and if you have, I'd love to hear the story. I've yet to meet someone who's encountered an angel like this, right? But, but I believe it still happens, but it's hard to imagine that unless we've encountered something like that, right? You've got these shepherds who are out with their sheep in a field, right? And, and it's not, you know, 2021. They're not near some booming metropolis with lights everywhere, right? It's, it's, it's dark. When you're in a field in, in the middle of nowhere with sheep, 
At best, maybe you have some fire you know, burning, but, it, but it's pretty dark. And then it says, an angel of the Lord came and appeared on the scene. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. Like, just, just go into your imagination for a second. Think, like, what in the world would that look like? Okay. What would, what would that evoke in you? I, I asked our kids on the way the other, the other night to uh, the Peppermint Parkway. I was like, what, what do you think it would be like if an angel, because we were out there, you know, and that's like the middle of nowhere for Austin, right? You're out there next to trees and airplanes. And I said, what, what would it be like if, if an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared? And, and Michaela, she was like, it would be pretty b- bright. I'd probably have to close my eyes. I was like, yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right, is my guess, right? It's like, we would have to, shield our eyes. I asked, would you be afraid? And she's like, yeah, probably a little bit, you know, a little bit. Um, and it says here that the, the, the shepherds were filled with great fear. Now, one thing to know about the Bible is they don't, they don't throw superlatives in there just to like, they have to hit a certain word count. All right, like, oh man, we got to make this a, couple, a little bit longer. Let's add some other adjectives and superlatives. That God gives us superlatives so that we can know the magnitude of something. They are overflowing with fear, right? That you, you can probably see their chest, you know, bouncing back and forth. Their heart is beating so fast, right? They, they, they've got, their, their, their skin is tingling, right? They've never encountered something like this. You don't see a single instance in the Bible where someone sees an angel and they're just calm about it. Like, hey, what's up, man? Like, n- none whatsoever. But I think more so what they're afraid of is that the glory of the Lord is shining around them. So you've got the angel in one instance, and we see angels appear to Mary and to Joseph and throughout the Bible, right? But the angels don't always bring the glory of the Lord with them, the, the perfection of God's majesty and holiness shining around on them. But when you do see someone in the Bible coming into contact with the glory of the Lord, it is always a near-death experience always. Moses, man, he, he thought he was big stuff, right? He, tell, he asked God one day, like, hey, let me see your glory. And God's like, bro, you will not make it. Like, you will not come out of that experience alive. So God says, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put you in, in, a, in a cave, in the cleft of a rock, and I'm gonna come and shield you, and then I'll let you catch the backside of my glory, right? So God does all of this preventative work, because if Moses interacts with God's glory face to face, he's not coming out on the other side. We see in Isaiah 6 that Isaiah gets a glimpse of God's glory and holiness and the first words out of his mouth when he sees God's glory is, woe am I, I am ruined. Like Isaiah is convinced that he is ruined, he's done for, why? Because the glory of God immediately lets us know how unglorious we are. When the glory of God is shining down, if the glory of God were to break in here right now, we, one, I don't think we'd make it. It's like, it's like trying to land a spaceship on the sun. You know why that hasn't happened? I mean, there's probably a lot of aerodynamic and space rules why that hasn't happened. But for starters, because if you're not the sun, you're gonna burn up when you get close to the sun. Right, if you just move towards the sun, you're, you're, gonna, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna get burnt up. The only thing that can interact with the sun is the sun or other sun-like substance, whatever you know, that is even, right? Like, but, but for us, 
Man, if we try to engage directly, like we can't even look at the, at the sun directly without apparently like burning our retinas or something. That's what they tell you when they're, you're little kids. Like, don't look at the sun, right? Because the sun is glorious. Because it's, it's pure. And the Bible tells us that when we try to interact with the glory of God, we can't help but know how unglorious we are. And we cannot stand in the presence of God's glory. Th- that's why I think the shepherds were afraid. Because they're standing now face to face with the glory of God and they've realized they don't measure up. They're, they're not good enough. They're ruined because they are unglorious and God is glorious. That's what I think is mostly causing them to be afraid. But then the angel continues. Verse 10, fear not. Don't be afraid. Easy for you to say, Mr. Angel. You're the angel, right? Like you, that's, that's, that, that's nice. Fear not. Why? For behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. The angels, the angel puts to, to rest their fear with the presence of good news of great joy. Again, the superlatives aren't just trying to hit a word count. God's giving us, he's showing us something that should catch our attention. That in the presence of a fearful situation, which is, which is the shepherds in the, in the presence of the glory of God, there is an answer to that fear, and it is good news of great joy for all people. For shepherds, for men, for women, for rich, for poor, for all people, there's good news of great joy. What is that good news? What is the message that the angel is bringing on this first Christmas? Now here's the deal, we all know this. Good news isn't good news unless there's also bad news that counters it. You you don't have good news unless there's also the flip side which is the bad news to the good news. So the bad news is that they're unglorious in the presence of a glorious God. They're unholy in the presence of a holy God and that never goes well for the unholy that will never end well. The good news, though, is that verse 11, unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, a rescuer, one who can fix this broken situation, one that can take the unholy and make him or her holy, one that can take the unrighteous and make him or her righteous, one that can rescue us from our sin, and that is Christ the Lord Jesus. The good news of great joy that comes with Christmas is in the person of Jesus. That the angels didn't come bringing a message of condemnation, a message of of guilt. The angels came bringing a message of forgiveness, of righteousness, of life, and that is good news when you're standing face to face in a bad situation. That Jesus came to bring deliverance that where there was darkness, the light of Jesus broke in. And that now, because of this Savior, these shepherds who have no business standing in the presence of God can be restored into the presence of God. That's where the joy of Christmas lies. 
the good news of what Jesus has come to forgive our sins so that we can stand and live with God. This message, it, I mean, honestly, if I'm thinking of my own life, it's, it's just kind of lost some of its punch. Like, it's just not that amazing to me. It's just kind of gotten hijacked and overrun by everything else that Christmas has to throw on top of it. But, but we're just like the shepherds. Maybe we have a different vocation, or we different time period, of course, right? But, but we're just like the shepherds in that we are not holy on our own. And we have no chance of standing in the presence of a holy God. We are unglorious and God is glory and unless something comes in and, and fixes that situation, we, just like the shepherds, are doomed and destined for separation from God. And so we have the same bad news that the shepherds had then. That, that, that Isaiah had, whoa, whoa am I, I'm, I'm ruined. I can't, I can't be in the presence of God and that's the reason that we are created. Our purpose for being here is to live in a loving relationship with God. And so the, the bad news for us is the same as the bad news for the shepherds, that we're ruined. But the good news is also the same, the good news of great joy that Jesus has come to save us from our sins so that we can be restored into a relationship with God. Now the problem is we're not gonna see that as all that incredible good news if we don't see the bad news if we don't recognize our position is in opposition to a holy God, if we don't see that without a Savior on our own, that we will never be good enough, we will never measure up, we will never be righteous enough for God, if we don't see the bad news, then we'll never really find the good news of great joy that Jesus the Savior has come for us. My prayer and hope for myself, for us, is that Christmas will be a time of exceedingly great joy, but not because of family or friends or presents or food. That'll just be the, the, you know, the sprinkles on top. But that Christmas will be a time of good news, of great joy, regardless of horizontal circumstances, because at Christmas, Jesus came to save us from our sins so that we can be restored to God, so that we can have a relationship with God, and that is good news. Without Christmas, we're left to live in darkness, the darkness of sin. Without Christmas, we're, we have to try and measure up on our own before God. Without Christmas, there, there is no hope. But with Jesus comes the light of the world, the hope of all peoples that in him we can have forgiveness. And that is good news of great joy for all people. But can I, can I just say one more thing? That, that Jesus wasn't born just to save us for heaven one day there and then. That Jesus came to transform our lives here and now, right now. You know, that is mind-blowing. 
that, that our lives here in, in, in Austin in 2021, regardless of everything happening around us, that our lives can be transformed because God came and lived among us and he lived a perfect life and he died for our sins and he rose from the dead and when we trust him, he sends his actual spirit to live inside of us, that our lives can be miraculously and powerfully transformed because Jesus came that we can have joy, deep, abiding, never-ending joy in the midst of terrible circumstances because we know that he is with us and that with Jesus comes every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so my hope is that Christmas, this Christmas, will be a time of great joy, but that joy will be anchored and rooted to the fact that Jesus came for you and he came for me that that is where our joy is found. And it really shapes everything else. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. That unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This is the word of God is living and active, and it is for us today. Let's pray. Holy God, by your spirit, would you cause your word to, to bubble up inside of us in life and in truth. God, I know that this is a Christmas Eve service, right? It's, it's fun, and it is, but God, may we not miss the reason for Christmas. May we not overlook what Christmas Eve is supposed to celebrate, and it's supposed to remind us that it's the, the night before Jesus you were born. That all of the joy that we are looking for is found there in you, Jesus. And so would you speak to us, God, and transform our hearts. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.